0: (coughs) (coughs) welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the giant rolling purple health hazard of mangum reeds we are three muggles who
1: also don't look
0: properly and never notice nothing I am Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts VJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
1: I feel roughly treated by the assumptions you just cast. <laughs> assumptions of dispersion you just cast our way. I am not a giant rolling purple object, thank you. The other one was entirely true. But, oh no, that's the case. But purple object, not
2: at all. We have our work cut out for us this New Year's. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So we are here in chapter three of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the night bus. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's wizard wheezes. We have newbies notes from Spencer. We award house points. And then, um, there are questions and queries, which we are in a very uh, information giving without answer providing chapter. So I imagine that some questions are going to come up this time around. It's a
2: dangerous chapter. Yes.
1: <laughs> this isn't the category of chapters of where, Sarah, pretty much your answer to every one of our questions can just be, you know, the sound of you laying back in your chair and sounding smug and you're saying, <laughs> Oh, you'll see.
0: I've been practicing that all week. Good. I think I figured out how to direct the sound at the microphone. <laughs>
1: Well, for information-rich chapters like this, I'm always curious to how long you think you need to get through your recap.
0: Well, so this is the problem with this chapter. I think I can do it in two minutes. I will say the first go-round of writing my notes. I was going through the chapter, and I had a very clear memory of this chapter ending as soon as Harry got off the night bus and saw Cornelius <laughs> Fudge in the door of the Leaky Cauldron and it turns out that's halfway through the chapter and not the end of the chapter so there was you know, a there was a take 2 on my notes today
1: that is a very fair phantom memory because <laughs> that would totally be appropriate as a place to end these chapters right? that is such a harry potter way to end a chapter it, for that to happen
0: it felt right in my memory um but that was not correct so i think i've got it down to 2 minutes but it's going to be a it's going to be a little bit of a night bus ride to get through it
2: okay i well. think this uh this chapter had some writing experimentation going on in it, which I'll get into. Ooh. Um, so so I wonder if that's why the chapter didn't end where you expected. <laughs>
0: that, might, that might be fair. Um, yeah, I don't, oof, I don't know. Um, OK, are <laughs> we right. ready, Spencer?
1: Uh, the giant novelty stopwatch is ready. The honor of Ravenclaw is on the line, and you can go at your, at your leisure. Oh my god, OK.
0: So Harry is just wandering around the neighborhood with his trunk as panic starts to overtake fury. He is alone with nowhere to go and has definitely broken the decree for the restriction of underage underage magic. He is running through all sorts of dire scenarios, preparing for life as an outcast when he starts to feel like he might be being watched. He holds up his lit wand to reveal some sort of large furry dog-like creature across the street. Startled, he falls backward with his wand upraised, which unbeknownst to him is how you hail the night bus. Triple Decker, Purple, Wildly Dangerous, with Stan Shunpike as as the conductor. Stan is very confused that Harry is confused, but Harry does have the wherewithal to pretend not to be Harry, introducing himself instead as Neville Longbottom. Inside the night bus is a sort of Victorian smoking room crossed with a hospital ward. Anyway, the whole thing is driven by Ernie, who is a somewhat questionable driver. As they careen across the countryside, Harry notices an article in the Daily Prophet Stan is reading titled, Black Still at Large. Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban Prison, where he has been being held where he was being held for murdering 13 people 12 years ago. Stan and Ernie tell Harry that Sirius Black was a big supporter of Voldemort. And after Voldemort's killing spell backfired, the Ministry came after Black, cornered him, and that's when he killed 12 muggles and one wizard with a single curse. Black is the first person who's ever broken out of Azkaban. As Harry is getting dropped dropped off at the Leaky Cauldron, Stan and Ernie lose it because waiting for him in the door is Cornelius Fudge, Minister of Magic. Fudge is weirdly paternal and Harry is flabbergasted by how blasé he is about the Marge incident. Fudge suggests that Harry spend the rest of the summer in Diagon Alley. Harry interjects in a very hermione moment to ask about his punishment. Fudge dithers about changed circumstances and uh, goes to book Harry a room in the Leaky Cauldron. He makes Harry promise that he won't leave Diagon Alley, and when Harry asks him how things are going tracking down Sirius Black, he gets very uncomfortable. He also refuses to sign Harry's Hogsmeade permission form, much to Harry's displeasure. But when Fudge leaves, Harry goes up to his room, where Hedwig is already waiting for him and ruminates on a very weird
1: night with four seconds to spare Whew, bravo thank you impressive it also that helps a when lot you're. Of
0: it was a lot of material it does help to get through the um the recaps when your cat does not jump on your notes in the <laughs> 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 um so yeah a lot of material a lot of stuff to go over uh which i think we will i talk about more but bj tell us about the the writerly experimentation going on here
2: so so very early on, um, the second paragraph of this chapter, it seems like J.K. Rowling decided to see how she felt about starting her sentences with conjunctions. Okay. Um I don't think it goes very well. <laughs> um and then I think she realizes this and then doesn't really do it anymore, for at least this chapter.
0: Is this the but after ten um, minutes alone in the dark street, a new emotion overtook him?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. panic. And then and the and the worst of it was comma. He had just done some serious magic, comma, which meant that he was almost certainly expelled from Hogwarts. And it's like, I don't know, just a very different feel. And then then, then the next paragraph, she gets back into her tried and true, comma, shotgun <laughs> um, with the last sentence of Harry was sure that, comma, criminal or not, comma, Ron and Hermione would want to help him now, comma, but they were both abroad, comma, and with Hedwig gone, comma, he had no means of contacting them. Period.
0: It feels a little bit like um now that you are pointing out all of the these these sort of comma-heavy sentences, I think that when the rest of the world does not use the Oxford comma in ways that I would prefer them to, they all just migrate into Harry Potter books. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're not prison Uh, and text.
2: What would be be amazing and like the best thing ever and with e-readers, like you could make this a thing now, which is like there, you have like so many commas that are in mostly appropriate places in a book, but like any given time you open it, they're in different places. (laughs) I think that would be great. Um, so, so one else, uh, one other thing that, that I needed to talk about, which is a wonderful word, and it's actually a word, which is Kali Mm -hmm.
0: um,
2: which basically means that you're queasy and, and sort of unhappy. Um, and it reminds me of another wonderful, I think it was German word that I was introduced to by, uh, one of my uncles, which is Kassenjammer, um, which is a word for hungover, which basically (laughs) means cat screaming. Oh, cat man. Or screaming, cat singing, um, yeah. Hmm. So interesting.
0: Uh, Is Kali yeah, Wobbles so used?
2: Was, I assume it's to
0: explain someone in the Night Bus.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it was uh, maybe even Harry, but somebody in the Night Bus was just like not feeling so well, a little bit queasy, and mm-hmm. I think it was Harry, and you know, Kali Wobbles. <laughs> All right, I like it. Um, so we'll see how how long I'm gonna have a sub segment to my Wizard Weezes segment. Um, which I'm going to call Deus Ex of the chapter, <laughs> um, which is when something that hasn't been really referenced before or particularly explained, uh, basically saves the day in a completely random manner that there's just, you know, it came out of nowhere. Um, and so I will title the entire segment, uh, of this chapter Deus Ex Night Bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is possibly Um, the biggest Deus Ex we
0: ever get.
2: Oh come on! A violently purple bus emerges out of
1: nowhere that is capable of transporting itself hundreds of miles at a time and passing through objects
2: at will. What is just random about that sudden appearance? Um, Absolutely nothing. Like it fits in with everything else and how everything else is resolved in these books. (laughs) But I'm just going to start pointing it out on a regular basis. This probably is one of the bigger examples. I'm Mm -hmm. hoping of the book, but. Um, I'll see if I can find one in each chapter and if I don't, um, I still have a, uh, feeling that this might be at least a recurring segment, if not every chapter, uh, not infrequent in these books.
0: I think that's probably true. I am, I am choosing to be delighted by this segment and not off-put by it, <laughs> BJ.
1: <laughs> it's mentioned good fun, sure.
0: Um, uh, I was just me. going to mention... Also, that I found the actual reference to Kaliwobbles, yep. and it is actually Ernie talking about the guards at Azkaban ah. give him the Kaliwobbles, ah, okay. um, which I did. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have brought it up and gone back to it, except that it is the first mention we get of the Azkaban guards.
1: Yeah, one of, yes. one of two we get in this chapter, and with both characters talking about them reacting in the same way, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't think we've heard previously about who these Azkaban guards are.
0: No, we have not. So I just wanted to flag that, uh, particularly for you, Spencer, that apparently the Azkaban guards are something we're going to learn about. Uh,
1: it is in my notes, <laughs> the things I wanted to ask you about, and I'm guessing you're going to tell me Jack. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> to be determined.
1: All right. Uh, and with that... Uh, nobody's notes? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, starting this off, and pretty much going throughout this chapter, I am as equally surprised as Harry that he is not like immediately under arrest. We talked about the last time he was punished by the Ministry for underage use of magic, of where we were pondering whether the act of him co- of casting magic just kind of conjured owls out of mid-air because it happened so damn fast. The owl just suddenly appear- apparated and dropped a letter in the middle of his table seconds after it happened. This time, he's just wandering the streets of London with an oversized trunk with seemingly nothing at all happening. Until, of course, what appears to be a werewolf appears behind him, which is interesting. Uh, As uh, our listeners may have picked up on from our other segment, uh, my apparently Harry Potter name is now Stan Lupin, and I feel like I may have met both of my namesakes in this chapter. Uh, Stan, certainly, uh, who is delightful. And this very much appears to be some kind of wolf-werewolf thing, which, you know, Lupin, so I'm gonna go with it now until until I'm told otherwise, Uh, but we'll see. Well, we did I, say you would meet Lupin in this book. You did, so I'm being very hyper-conscious of trying to <laughs> see where I get to meet this character. I want to know who I'm named after. <laughs> uh, I adore the use of the word violently as an adverb. It's a wonderful way to describe color, and so having the bus depicted as violently purple, is it just resonates with me. I really like the immediate shift in Stan's accent the moment he drops, drops character. It's because... Previously, when he's delivering his very much set speech, there is not a hint of accent what he's saying. It's just prim, it's proper, it's whatever else. The moment he realizes it's just like a 13-year-old sitting there with a giant trunk, he immediately goes cockney, and he goes (laughs) cockney hard. And it's just funny. Uh, The magic behind the night bus seems like it should have more practical applications in the wizarding world. We've seen before they've got issues when it comes to transportation. Before previously, their method of instantaneous transportation was... Something that damn near killed Harry by means of fiery death in terms of traveling through a fireplace. this is just jumping hundreds of miles at a time and can make objects move away for it as it goes why isn 't this being used more broadly? Why is the first time we, Why is this the first time we 've seen this thing around? Why is it a bus
2: also we 'll get to that in questions it 's the weirdest damn thing in my mind that it 's a bus previously. Uh... Are are you not familiar with the country that this takes place in? <laughs> yes, but I'm also familiar
1: with the fact that wizarding technology wizarding technology and use of you know appear, uh, uh, use of apparel or appearance is Dickensian slash Victorian at best. Like the fact that Ron's dad has a car is a crime, or he's, you know also the fact he's modified. It's a crime, but it's weird that he has a car. This is a double-decker bus in proper London style? That uh, has been... I believe it was described as a triple-decker. It decker. is a triple-decker bus. <laughs> oh, sorry. Even weirder. <laughs>
0: um, I will say, and we can talk about this in questions, but this is, I think, that the, the era of technology that wizards have chosen to adopt in certain certain parts of their daily life is either, as you say, sort of Victorian, Dickensian Spencer, or it's kind of
2: 1940s. It's so, a, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. I, I, I think it's like when, when medieval fantasy is written mm-hmm. and it's like, what era is it? And it's like, well, we're going to take the knights from this era, the castles from this era, um, a lot more modern bathing and Uh, the the clothing from from this era and we're going to put that together because otherwise it's depressing
0: i wonder if there are like particular inflection points in the history of wizard relations with muggles where there were like their technology and how it looks progresses by in sort of like fits and starts based on like well, we had a lot of inter- interaction in, like, 1863, and so we've got a lot of this shit. But then we had a lot of interaction, like, during World War II, and here we are now. Because I will say so, that so one of the entrances to the Ministry of Magic is a telephone booth.
2: I, I really think that, that that would be a very funny comparison because there's a, um, a an evolutionary theory that basically is slow slow with fits and starts that are fast mm-hmm. and like basically relate the two and you'd have like 10 really 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 obsessed readers that were like super excited about it and everyone else would just be like i don't know why you wrote this but i think it would be a very funny article
0: uh it's... you mean you wrote a scholarly article for a literary journal
2: <laughs> sure yeah
0: i think this would work
2: <laughs> uh just remember my biology bj it's punctuated equilibrium right um I think that's one of the names for it. I feel like there's another name, but honestly, evolutionary biology is something that I am nowhere near as interested as most other parts. (laughs) Fine fine enough. You know, inspired by your respective theories, I'm now just wondering
1: whether Sir Arthur Conan Doyle inspired so many amateur uh, investigators and detectives that, like, dozens of them just started stumbling into the whistling world about that late 1800s period, Mm. leading to the shift in technology. Uh, because it's, like you said, it's really weird and random. So like, you know, on their news report, they have to explain what a gun is. There's been a concept of guns in Europe since like, you know, 1453 when they were used to knock down the walls of Constantinople, but apparently the wizarding community doesn't have a thing of knowledge on that point. So, it is definitely, it, it is a selection across time that appears to have a bit of emphasis and focus around at least the styles of a, like a Victorian era. But that's also just really common for any kind of. I'd like to do a fantasy book uh, set in a Londonish setting. Mm-hmm. It, that's the, just the standard technology that everybody always goes with because it fits the image you have of, London, of England and London. Uh, let's see here, what else? I, I actually was a little bit caught, we, we talked about it last chapter, but kind of like the rest of the Wisdom community, I was a little bit caught off guard that they felt the need to tell the muggle prime minister that Sirius Black is out of jail. That seems like a really big deal, given what we've previously heard about agents constantly roaming around like men in black to try to isolate knowledge from the Muggle world. However, when we hear later that Sirius Black apparently killed twelve Muggles in the process of his rampage, which, again, really surprises me, that seems like a massive big deal, I guess it isn't too much of a surprise that they'd let the Muggle Prime Minister know, because if he didn't in advance know, if the British government didn't in advance know that wizards were a thing, it seems like they were put into a bit of a loop after the last
2: wizarding war, because muggles were dying in the process. So when they cover up for uh, muggle deaths, is that called wizard washing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Spencer. I broke
1: your steamrolling. Give me a moment. I need to recover. Uh, I'm going to ignore that and move on um it definitely seems like at least with respect to the cover-up the muggle government was involved but with a gas explosion and everything else mm-hmm. there, it, it, there's a degree of cooperation here between governments i hadn't previously anticipated i'm curious how long that's been in place uh i like the definition of a gun having been having to be explained in wizard terms because that's exactly how that would work in terms of trying to define something that you otherwise don't have a concept about it's in, it is fascinating to me okay. I'll skip a few steps and run to Fudge himself, because there's a hell of a lot here that is purposefully opaque at this moment. The fact that Fudge himself comes to collect Harry is interesting. We've previously seen that he likes to be surprisingly hands-on when it comes to these moments. He was there for the arrest of Hagrid, so I guess that's not too much of a surprise. But they imply that he's been kind of like wandering the streets searching himself. He's out of breath, he's sweaty, he's dirty. Seems like he was personally leading the operation that either has been searching for Harry, or maybe he was involved in the deflating of his aunt. That's a lot of hands-on involvement for who is essentially the stand-in for the Prime Minister of the Wizarding World, which I guess is kind of what the role of the Minister of Magic is. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, how he acts towards Harry is fascinating. He—it reminds me of like a guy of where somebody just had like a slip and fall in their business, and they're trying to be extra nice so they avoid getting sued. So he's he's
2: mentoring Harry through this trying time?
1: Shut up. Uh, (laughs) He's doing everything in his power to accommodate Harry, to make sure he's okay, to make sure that he's cared for, and also make sure that they are damn well aware that Harry is safe and they know where he is at all times. Which is really different from everything we've seen before about the Ministry of Magic. Previously, they were pretty damn flippant to, you know, any aspect of Harry's existence except the idea of Harry breaking the law. They were really on point about that, but now they describe, you know, him very much breaking the, one of the key tenets he was taught as just being, oh, a little thing like that. I think it's even the quote that he offers. Oh, we don't punish people for inflating their ants like that. That's such a small issue. No, it isn't. Did you want to be expelled? Yeah, like, we that's, can that's, do that's that about mine. <laughs> that previously, they were very much cautioned him that you do this one more time, you're out. You're done. Not like he even gets, like, a set number a year. It's that... Nope. you get two shots, you get one freebie in life, and then you are just permanently exiled from anything you've come to know and love. Now, they're just shrugging as he he commits two separate acts of assault on muggles by means of magic. And just, I I think they're even suggesting that they're paying for his room, even, too. All of this is very different, all of this is very odd, and I feel like Harry probably hit the nose hit it right on the nose right on the head with respect to his question to fudge about hey how's that serious black thing going because that stops fudge dead in his tracks thinking like even even misses uh putting his buttons on as as he's asked this question he kind of well fudges a reply in terms of responding to this but it seems like that this is a key part of why this difference is going on. It's been hammered into us the last few chapters that Sirius Black is out, that the Ministry is on it, and now we also know that the second thing the Ministry is also doing is actively searching for Harry Potter. How do these two line up? I can only guess. We hear that Sirius Black was really eager to be second-in-command, apparently, after um, uh, he who shall not be named uh, was gone. So maybe he's trying to fulfill his master's, you know, goals and steps and get revenge for him with respect to this? Maybe he's acting on Voldemort's will now that Voldemort is apparently back and operating. I don't know, but it seems like these two things are in some way connected with each other. Uh, other points you mentioned: Azkaban guards, and that's interesting. Of where previously we've heard that Azkaban is a terrible place, but apparently the guys that work there are also not great either, and maybe even more terrifying than the place itself or the reason that the place itself is terrifying. So we get two separate people, including the friggin' Minister of Magic pretty much quaking in their boots at the mere mention of these guys. Like, it levels a Voldemort level of instinctual terror goes into whatever these guys are. And that's curious. I'm guessing, you know, in very much J.K. Rowling style we'll get to meet them before this book is done, because she does not introduce something without it being a thing later, except maybe possibly the night bus itself. Uh, So I'll be curious to see. It's unusual to see this many people just utterly terrified of a concept that wasn't somebody that, you know, actively tried to destroy the the Wizarding World. Uh, And final two points, one, the Accidental Magic Reversal Squad is just very much implying this is a very much British system of government of where there are going to be about 10,000 agencies always operating at all times. And also, Hedwig should never leave ever, because Sarah, like you said last chapter, apparently whenever Hedwig leaves, things just go to (laughs) shit. And whenever she returns, everything is well again. And we have that clearly set out at the end of this chapter.
0: I'm glad you reminded me that that was a thing that I was going to track, because by the time I read this chapter again, I had forgotten that I was going to track it.
1: <laughs> it's just like, you know, Hedwig is returned, and I can always picture her just reaching over and just wrapping Harry in a wing and says, it's okay, human, I have returned.
2: <laughs> the plot shall not hurt you, the plot shall not hurt you now. So Spencer, the um, official designation for performing magic on a muggle is assault and mugglery. Is it really? <laughs> Just tell me. I don't know
1: who I should blame for this. Is it you or J.K. Rowling? Tell me now. I'm going to assume it's me,
2: but I wouldn't be surprised.
1: (laughs) It would be something she would say. Every once
0: in a while, your purposes align, BJ. (laughs) Um, I also do want to go... Sorry, Spencer, was that your last Newbies Note?
1: Uh, Several questions remain, but Newbies
0: Notes is done. Okay. Before we go to house points, I wanted to go back to um, your segment, BJ, and encroach just a little bit because there is a sentence in this chapter that I have been looking at for the past maybe 10 minutes or so that I think JK okay. Rowling wrote and was very pleased with herself and sort of had a good chuckle okay. before putting her pen down. Fudge buttered himself a crumpet and pushed the plate toward Harry.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was a fun one. <laughs> um, yeah, th- there are some fun ones that I'm going to try and not do every single mm-hmm. sentence that I'm just like, mm, okay. Um, or, or that are entertaining, but I'll see about more of the food ones. I, I'm curious if, um, if she gets hungry when writing certain chapters, <laughs> cause there, there are chapters that are a little bit more food centric, mm-hmm. pretty much anytime anybody is on a method of conveyance. <laughs> There is food involved.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of food in this chapter, and there will—I think—there will be a lot of food in the next chapter too.
2: It's—it's
1: it's really interesting you bring that up, BJ. Because you know, for how much—how much people love to make fun of George R. R. Martin for just over-describing food and over-involving food. JK Rowling has a lot of food in this text. Like every feast, every single dish is described in detail as it, before, as it comes out on the table. Th- there is definitely a food focus in these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like—like like you pointed out there, Sarah. After how deeply unpleasant and dark the last chapter is, it seems like JK Rowling was really determined to have a lot of fun with this one, Mm -hmm. and it's appreciated. This was a fun return to form after what was a really unpleasant prior chapter, and it made it a lot more of a pleasure to read. like you noted, I picture at some of these lines, she just finished typing them, laid back in her chair, and said, yes, I am good.
0: Um, and I will say, um, maybe I should say this at the end of our episode, but I'll say it now, the next chapter in this book is one of my favorite chapters of all time.
1: Awesome. Hmm. Looking um, forward to it.
0: Simply, for, for many of those same reasons, Spencer, it is a breath of fresh air. Hmm. Um, so we have house points to give. We do. And we are not in in Hogwarts, so everything's all on the table. Uh, Yeah, I don't. There weren't a lot of characters in this chapter. Um, I think Harry came out well in the end, although he had a lot of anxiety going through the beginning of
1: this chapter. He started this chapter as Oliver Twist pursued by a werewolf (laughs) through the streets of London. He ended up in a lavish hotel room with his owl back with him and reassurance that he's not going to be excelled from the only place that's ever expelled from the only place that's ever made him happy in his entire life. Lavish hotel room? <laughs> it, you know, I was legitimately surprised that the leaky cauldron had a room that was described in pretty glowing terms, because it didn't seem like it fit the establishment at all.
0: Although unclear if that's actually the leaky cauldron or the fact that Harry is like really kind of excited to not be with the Dursleys and to have his own space. <laughs> Because That's I have been in some Airbnbs that have gotten me away from the rest of the world that are objectively terrible, and they have seemed great.
2: This this is true. Yeah, I was also going to say, I think I've seen descriptions for Airbnbs that are very interesting, given what some of the pictures <laughs> and the area that they might be in Also are. true.
0: Um, so I think Harry wins this chapter. He has turned out well. Um, as far as the loser goes, I'm going to say that the we don't see him until the end of the chapter, but it seems like uh cornelius fudge has had a rough run of it this chapter
1: yeah it seems like he's all these news reports about Sirius black have really caused him to take it on the chin a little bit uh-huh. and so to so as to appear that he's being in charge and responsible and directly addressing the problem he's having to go out and do all the operations like work, which does not seem to be something that he prefers to do
0: no he seems to be a very anxious man in this chapter
1: yeah uh he ends up relatively content uh, I think I think in some ways he's accomplished what he set out to do. But, it, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's in a really great situation right now.
0: Particularly with the idea that apparently Sirius Black is a real thorn in his side and he is still at large.
1: Yeah, and apparently, <laughs> it, I mean, based on context, based on things that have been framed, I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that whatever this werewolf thing is, is Sirius Black. It also seems like they think... Very specifically, that Sirius Black is hiding in the Muggle world. Because they told the Muggle Prime Minister, and they've told Harry that he should stay in the Wizarding World. Mm-hmm. These, again, if the reason that they're being so protective of him is Sirius Black, they seem to think that Sirius Black is actually jumped over and is hiding out over there. Which, if it's the werewolf that provides evidence of it. Which is, again, really different and weird. But a lot of, the, a lot of this chapter is very different and weird in a way we can't be explained yet. But perhaps... Sarah can provide answers to those questions. I will provide answers
0: to questions that I choose to.
2: (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) So, so quick start out that's a little bit more um, high-level question, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So, is basically all of Harry Potter just upturning the phrase uh, those who can't teach and going with those who can't go into government? (laughs) Because it seems like uh, yeah. basically all of the most powerful wizards are teachers at Hogwarts mm-hmm. and sort of mm-hmm. the the least powerful wizards that, you know, mm-hmm. I guess made it through Hogwarts, but we, we don't have any particular information for that are, are in government. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we even see with the Weasleys, like everything that we saw with the Weasleys is Molly Weasley is way more powerful mm-hmm. And she's a stay-at-home mom. I'd, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no. She do, she does not have a profession.
0: Um, yes.
2: Boy, there, sir. Yes. We're trying to keep all our lists. Our...
0: <laughs> <laughs> she works very hard. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Um. Yeah, actually, I think I would agree with that, with one one caveat. Um, and we have not met the. I don't think we meet them in this chapter. I think, or in this book, I think we meet them in the fourth book, but it's not really a spoiler because we've talked about them before. The only, like, real, they, there are some very competent people in the government. <laughs> um, okay. But most of most of the government officials that we meet are either, are some combination of ineffective and somewhat charming or very efficient but kind of robotic. Like we meet all of those kinds of people, but the the kind of Mm -hmm. caveat that I would put on that is that we eventually meet the Aurors who are the dark wizard catchers Mm. who are actually very powerful wizards, Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're kind of off doing their own thing. Like they're in, there is an aura office in the government, but.
2: mm, mm. Gotcha. I mean, so kind of like some, some of the secret services and some governments, where it's just like, yeah, they have a presence, but like... Mm.
0: Who do they take orders from? Mm. <laughs> unclear.
2: Yeah. So
0: that's, I mean, that's, gotcha. but like, really, most of the, like, regular government functionaries that we meet are some level of terrible.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, question on my behalf. Uh, how long do we know? How long have relations been established between the Muggle government and the Magic government? this is this a long-term relationship is this you know just a recent development in it or
2: has this come about or changed in some way significantly over the last few years well there's a significant treaty in 1066 that really set out like the if this
1: is the answer i want to know it
0: (laughs) (laughs) um i think i think there's an actual answer to this and i would have to go back to the book where i think it is um but the, the sort of high level answer to the question is that this has been going on for a long time.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. Sirius Black wasn't the cause of relations suddenly being established or anything else like no.
0: that. No.
1: Okay. Got one, BJ? Um, go ahead with another one. I have to decide. Uh, the Night Bus. Is this just an incredibly, you know, Deus Ex Machina, very odd thing for the sake of being an odd thing that's appeared in the Wizarding World? Or are we given any other, any other indication that this isn't some unique artifact that's traveling through like a taxi?
0: So the Night Bus is the Night Bus, and as far as we know, there are not any more of them. But we do like we do encounter the Night Bus again, so it's not just relegated to like this chapter of this book as what like some things in harry potter are um mm-hmm. i wonder i was actually thinking during our conversation about the sort of like what are the historical moments in which things in the muggle world might have bled over a little more to the magical world um i mm-hmm. wonder if this is not unlike a sort of like um so- Subway system in New York City, which we have and works now, but if we tried to put it together again right in this historical moment, we could probably never do.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Fair enough point.
0: But it is awfully convenient that there only has to be one night bus because it can go anywhere in a matter of moments, except underwater.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it can't do that? No, this was like the one thing that Stan
0: Shunpike said.
1: Oh, we can take you
0: anywhere except underwater.
1: That yeah, is a, no Atlantis for you. Mm-hmm. That is a very odd weakness for something that can travel hundreds of miles at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, there, there, are, there are rules, Spencer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. You're never going to be told the rules, but they Resist. exist somewhere. Uh-huh. One,
1: one of the rules we have is that anything that would otherwise interfere with the progress of the bus instantaneously gets out of the way of the bus. So mm-hmm. theoretically, you, seem, you think it could just, pa- if water was a problem, it could just shunt the water away from it. But perhaps that's too many things for it to just move.
0: This is the cause of tsunamis. Oh,
1: God. The <laughs> night bus was in a hurry.
0: Well, yeah, the Minister of Magic will just go to the Muggle Prime
1: Minister and cook up the story. So, those 90-foot waves you continually get off the coast of Scotland? So, there's an explanation for those. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh Well, BJ, let's give another one. I've got one more.
2: Yeah, okay. So, how... Like, it? it seems like things just sort of... I mean, I, I, I had my one deus ex machina of the book, but, like, all of a sudden, the... uh I th- Was it the Leaky Cauldron that uh, Hagrid was in doing shady stuff? No, was it
0: was not. It was... Um,
2: the other shady bar. It was the
0: other shady bar. It's the one that's in Hogsmeade, and I'm blanking on its name right now.
2: Okay. Anyway, but it kind of seems interesting that, like... Is this kind of a, uh, police box situation where, where things just sort of are in there like as necessary because it, the bar also being like kind of, uh, uh, an inn slash hotel feels very, um, to call it a fantasy trope is, is, is a little under, underselling how much of a, a thing this is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: it doesn't feel very English, I guess.
0: Oh, interesting. I think it it kind of does because a lot of, or I mean, there are examples of like pubs and things that have like a room or two that you can rent out. Um, okay, particularly I, w- I would say this particularly, and I and I don't know how widespread that is. I don't mean to make that a blanket statement, but I would say particularly because the leaky pu- the leaky cauldron specifically functions as um, like a way station between the Muggle world and the magical world um because it is that sort of like way into Diagon Alley so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um I realized that like when we have encountered the Leaky Cauldron before we have not had references to the fact that it has rooms attached to it but it doesn't like it it legitimately doesn't surprise me that there are rooms attached to it. Okay. Or, like, sometimes you tell me things that I just haven't thought of because I'm caught up in the magic of the world and don't think very deeply about them. But this one, like, actually doesn't <laughs> surprise me.
1: <laughs> also, in answer to your, your pondering, it is the
2: Hogshead Inn, I think, is in that area.
0: That is the one, yes.
2: Uh, okay. Also, used- I, I thought, mm-hmm. but I thought there was somewhere where they saw Hagrid, like, drinking and, like, get doing sketchy things in Diagon Alley.
0: Oh, that was Nocturne Alley.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, if you Google Hagrid Bar, the first thing that comes up is Hagrid Barbie. Apparently there is a whole collecting thing for Hagrid Barbies. Did not know that.
0: Are they actually Barbie branded?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think they're just collectible dolls, but apparently a lot of people search them as Hagrid Barbie.
0: Because that would be very strange.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, last question from me. Previously, when we've seen magic used before, it has been on a very one-on-one kind of level, like with respect to wizard duels or one person getting hit by a curse, or whatever else. We haven't.
2: I don't think it's sold by Mattel.
0: Oh, the Hagrid the- Barbie.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just Personal important. magic is sold by Mattel. <laughs> no. In, in my what
2: I'm
1: now going to what I'm now going to refer to is my very stand like way of thinking. When you said that, I was like, a cur- Mattel sells curses. <laughs> I mean, probably they do, but you know, indirectly. Uh, on returning to my point, wherever I was, uh, where the hell was I? Uh, it
0: had previously oh, yeah. magic on a personal level.
1: Yeah, previously it seemed very much a one-on-one, a one-on-one kind of thing. You mm-hmm. cast a spell; it, it affects one person. That's how it works. We've now heard for the first time that one curse can kill thirteen people and cause a massive amount of property destruction. Mm. Is This is just an example of us gaining more knowledge about how dangerous individual spells can be in the hands of a powerful wizard, or is Sirius Black and his level of power somehow unique?
0: Um, It's a little... I mean, it's, it's both, I guess. It is... we do... It is clearly in the discussion that we have had of what Sirius Black did, it is clear that that is... And, and the fact that he was sent to Azkaban for it, et cetera, et cetera, and how feared he is now that he has gotten out of Azkaban, it is, it, I think, clear that what he did was somehow was somehow unique, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is partially due to the fact that... <clears throat> excuse me. That is partially due to the fact that he is a particularly powerful wizard, although as far as we... No, not, I mean, he's not like Voldemort, or something. he is just like a, a relatively powerful wizard in the world um, mm-hmm. who has, who potentially has a particular spell that is is causing this massive destruction. It is also though in, certainly in the way that we have learned about it, it is an indication of his character to use that spell. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the sheer amount of destruction that occurs in its aftermath Um, Uh, the
1: and and the laughing mad response that he has is the authorities come to collect him
0: and that seems to be even more at least in this conversation between Ernie and Stan and Harry which who knows how reliable this is in the world but at least in that conversation it seems to be the the kind of maniacal laughing that gets them even more than the destruction itself
1: yeah uh, I mean, they they describe the search itself, oh yeah, he killed a wizard and also I think 12 muggles or whatever else, but mm-hmm. man, do you know what he did before before they came to collect him? That's the emphasis, that's the climax of the story. That's what really frames it as just, oh, this is something to remember.
0: Yeah. Um. But- so yeah, a little bit of all of it, but it, it um, it... I think eventually you'll kind of understand why it's a little bit difficult to differentiate between those two in this case.
2: Okay,
1: I'll well, be curious to see. But it, it definitely frames just how we've previously heard that, uh, what if we refer to what Voldemort did? Was it like Voldemort's revolt? Does it have a term for it? Or, you know... Is his, is his, you know, oh, is his yeah. uncertainty or whatever else, does it have a phrase attached to it in terms of describing
2: that era of time?
0: Um, I think it does, but I am not, let me think about it for a second.
2: Sure, I'll just jabber for a second. Okay. But- I was going to say I probably shouldn't uh, look it up on the internet because um, I just want to mention here, um, there is a series of Yule Ball dolls <laughs> by Mattel. Yes. Including Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, and Cho Chang. Mm-hmm. Who? Um, I'm not going to ask who Cho Chang is because I assume that will come up eventually. Hmm. Um, but but there yes. is a line of these dolls. Um, the the Harry Potter collectible Triwizard Tournament doll, which is 10.5 inches with wand and golden accessory, <laughs> is available for 19.99 from Amazon. Um, I am also very amused that the Harry Potter Rub- uh, Rubius Hagrid collectible doll is approximately 12 inches <laughs> wearing belted shirt and vest with a dragon accessory.
0: Mm.
2: Anyway, so the Voldemort's... Uh... Oh, all right right. I was talking.
1: Um, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, okay. So previously, we've really had it said how terrifying a period that was. How and so they was really, feeling...
0: it's really mostly called the just kind of a generic reign of terror. Um, but it's also kind of known, and this is a little confusing because it's, it is known and somebody earlier in this pod mentioned it, um, but the first Wizarding War.
1: I actually said that. Yeah, I I don't know where I got that from.
0: I, I don't either, but it's, that is actually kind of like, once Voldemort actually comes to power, the, the kind of like ongoing, more or less low level battle between him and his followers and the, um kind of people who were resisting him is known it it goes on for decades the the first wizarding war
1: okay well previously we'd known that people were terrified of him were actively trying to avoid him whatever else but it was almost framed as if the murders of of uh, potter's parents were in some way unique or were particularly stand out this really just sets up that no it was a straight-up war there were terrorist incidents there were people dying in the streets this was a massive scale kind of thing um And I'll be curious to see as we learn more about that, because Sirius Black is a far darker character than I was kind of expecting we were going to be introduced, other than... I was kind of just thinking that, like, we'd have Voldemort and that would be enough. But no, this guy had followers. He had armies. He had a collection of equally disturbed, violent people under his command. And I'm sure we'll get to meet this coterie before we're done.
0: Yes, we will. I can can tell you that, Spencer. (laughs)
2: Looking forward to it, I guess. We'll see how it goes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> happy book. Happy book. We'll find out. <laughs> All
2: right. So there's one last thing that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, Harry Potter made waves in the science world this past week. Oh, do tell. There was um, a new snake that was discovered um, and it has a, uh, an official name that is um, Trimeris Trimerosaurus salazar or the (laughs) salazar's pit viper Ah,
0: this makes me very happy (laughs)
2: um it is a very pretty uh green and i would say chartreuse snake
0: will you send a picture in the chat Um,
2: i i will send you the uh science alert article okay um and uh yeah apparently the the discoverers were were big fans of of Harry Potter and and decided that this would be a very good um, name for it.
0: I feel like that is a very appropriate looking snake for the name Salazar. Yes. That is very cool. All
2: right, guys. And on that uh, next episode, next week, uh, we have uh, the Leaky Cauldron. Yes. And the image is, um, it looks like somebody is Cage is going to be overwhelmed with books that that have eyes and are a little creepy.
0: And claws.
2: Is that Hedwig's cage? Because that's the only previous cage like that we've seen before.
0: Uh, To be determined, Spencer. Oh, I'm Um... scared. I like
2: Hedwig. (laughs) And there is a book present that we know is kind of bitey. (laughs) Yes, we do.
0: Um, BJ, would you like to tell our listeners if they have not figured out that we have extra content on another platform right now?
2: Uh sure. Um I mean given that you're on our podcast within a podcast, hopefully you already know that we have another podcast on Mangum Reads where we <laughs> sorry, do I'm a in bunch our extras stories. on YouTube. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so uh once a week we've been doing sort of a live stream style thing that is extra 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 content. Um and so um, this past week we created some characters for a Harry Potter RPG and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be starting to do some sort of Harry Potter RPG uh, thing, uh, the content there within to be decided, but hopefully we'll have like a hour-ish, plus-minus long uh, YouTube video that you can check us out doing weird things that might eventually just turn into another uh, subset podcast. Um, since us moving tokens around a board might not be the best uh, <laughs> television so um, so far we have uh, two episodes up the third episode should come out on Friday um, we'll see um, if I can keep up with this Friday release schedule or what um, and I'll definitely post on our Mangum Reads Facebook page um, the, when we have that new content All right, yeah. so well, look forward to it Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the next chapter.
1: I'm enjoying, enjoying the world of Harry Potter.
2: Sounds good. Happy night, y'all.